You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. If this is your first time listening, Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King with a special focus on his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes and review the books and comic series in Keth episodes. We also discuss non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about all things that serve the King. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com and follow us on every level of social media at TowerJunkiesPod. Uh, today on the show, we're going to be cons- continuing our series on The Shining and Dr. Sleep by reviewing Stanley Kubrick's 1980 horror masterpiece, The Shining. I'm your host, uh, one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and with me today, as usual, is Tiny. Hello. Hello. I switched up a little bit and i don't know how i feel about that <laughs> like uh i did like i did the intro like this is what we're gonna do and then introduced you i don't i don't like that <laughs> it's a work in progress it is yeah uh so tiny how's it going it's good buddy good 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 good, good, good. uh we just watched or we you just watched uh the shining so we're gonna review that and mm-hmm. everything as i said before have you dipped into the miniseries at all or anything i haven't no okay good um, yeah, well, that'll be next week-ish. Um, well, it'll be next week because we're banking this. Um, yeah, so how, uh, anything new in regards to Stephen King? Um, well, uh, since we're on the subject, um, of The Shining and stuff, yes. just finished reading, uh, Dr. Sleep. Nice. Yes. Uh, as did I. Um, we are going to be doing a review of that soon. Um, kind of a teaser for the listeners how'd you feel about it uh loved it nice love love loved it that is awesome i i really really enjoy i'm looking forward to talking to you about it me too um and can we just talk about will Patton? like he's great dude's amazing he is great um did you have any problems like when he when he is uh when he's reading for a a younger character um did you like think like he sounded a little too much like his voice for holly gibney yes okay yeah. and when he was doing um casey the character of casey oh, um, yes danny's aa sponsor mm-hmm. um he sounded a lot like um the detective from oh uh, hodges hodges Bill hodges yeah i didn't i interesting i didn't yeah. uh i did not uh pick up on that but that's interesting yeah, yeah. Uh, still did a good job. Oh yeah, great. Yeah, great. Love Will Patton. He's yeah. Oh yeah. Um, there was a little bit of news that is now going to be completely stale because the book is already out at this point while you're listening to this. But <laughs> just to document our reaction to it, um, we are recording July 25th uh, to get ahead of this stuff. Um, while I'm bringing this up, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny because um, when I compile news and stuff for the podcast uh for like the one time we've done like a news episode <laughs> um i would google um stephen king and then go to news and just kind of go through what is all on google under that uh not really not realizing that if i just go to stephenking.com they have a bunch of news just on the right side of the <laughs> thing yeah like uh yeah oh the so, internet yeah, uh, but anyway, there was news uh, as of this recording um, in July of 2019 that the Institute, 
which, when you guys are listening to this now, will have been released like a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Institute's narrator has been announced. Um, mm. So if you are into Audible and audiobooks, as we are, um, the narrator for... Uh, the Institute uh, is going to be Tony Award-winning actor and star of the musical version of Tootsie, uh, Santino Fontana. Uh, he mm. will uh, narrate The Institute, which came out on September 10th, or in like six, uh, eight weeks from this recording. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I don't know. I don't know him. Um, right. But it's interesting piece of news, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. Um, we need to, we'll also need to find time to review that. <laughs> yeah, somewhere yeah. in there. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk off mic. Um, I have some revisions to the roadmap. Okay. By the way. Um, light revisions, I guess. So anyway, um, yeah, uh, I don't know how I'm going to edit this together, but, uh, I did get tiny, a little something that I will go ahead and play the recording now because I was stupid enough to do it right when you came over. <laughs> uh, so here is me giving Tiny a little uh, gift. Uh, yeah, I actually, I've actually got something for you that I pre ordered uh, cool. a while ago. Okay. Ugh. Uh, I'm not going to preface it or anything, but here you go. Oh, cool. Yeah. Do you want to tell the recording what it nice. is? Nice. Is this a hat pin or like a pin of some kind? It is a wooden pin. Okay. Yes. That has the Dark Tower on it. It does. Ask me about the Dark Tower. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, funny story. I found that through a retweet of... Okay, so friend of the show, Tony Troxel, had retweeted uh, and actually uh, tagged me in a... Uh, in a tweet about those pins um, from uh, a person named Jess does it, like makes okay. them. Uh, her handle is at Kahahuna, which is K-A-H-A-H-U-N-A. Mm-hmm. Um, follow her. It's great. She has a bunch of other like pins and stuff, and like it's it's high-quality stuff. Bathomens.com also. Yes. Huh. So... That's so. This is like hand painted. Uh, yes, I believe so. Wow. Okay, that's really impressive. Yeah, it's for like obviously you guys can't see it. Right. It's like an inch by an inch, like not very big, mm-hmm. and like it has like the the crossed revolvers, yeah. um, and like a book and like a rose and the tower and stuff, and it's all painted on this tiny little. Yeah, that's impressive. Like I, that's nice craftsmanship. It is cool. It is. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, no problem. It was funny because like uh, they she had pre-orders available and stuff uh, like a month ago, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and pre-order this." And I was like, "I'll get one for Tiny too." Um, and then like the pre-order said like, "Oh, expected expected in August," and I was like, "Okay, cool." So I just didn't think like I didn't think anything of it. And I got a notification saying like, "Oh, hey, it's shipped," and I'm like, "Oh, good." <laughs> so yeah, cool. That <laughs> consider <laughs> uh, considered that. Consider that a um, an early uh, two year anniversary of the Dark Tower movie <laughs> gift. <laughs> oh boy, we have to exchange a gift for that. Yeah. Oh god, <laughs> it just makes me think of um, um, Jonah Hill from that movie Accepted. 
where he's wearing the, oh, hot, the hot dog. Me. He's ask me about my wiener. <laughs> I should be like, ask me about my cotted. <laughs> I don't <Nice>. know. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, so yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah, gracias. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, this is terrible podcasting. Uh, de nada. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I have nothing for you. Oh, nice. Oh, it's fine. Your yeah. presence is enough. Thanks. I guess it's always good to hear. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's recorded, so I'll just I'll <laughs> scream uh, after her. I'll I'll scream at you off mic. Um, no, that's fine. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, so that's that. Uh, follow. Please follow at Kahuna. K-A-H-A-H-U-N-A on Twitter and visit her store because she has tons of great stuff. Um, so, Tiny, um, let's dive into our review of The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, first and foremost, we're going to do a non-spoiler review and spoiler review. Um, so if you have, if you are one of the three people, if you're one of the three people on the planet Earth, well, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, uh, I, I don't want to be that obnoxious. <laughs> But if you haven't watched The Shining, if you haven't watched Stanley Kubrick's 1980 adaptation of The Shining, go check it out and then come back and listen to our review of it. Um, I would be so surprised if someone is listening to this, a a Stephen King podcast, and has not seen The Shining. Paige has never seen it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Does she listen to Tower Junkies, though? Not even a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's cool. I don't think she's ever read a Stephen King book. Oh, interesting. She doesn't read, so. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Does she audible? No. Oh, you no. would. You, uh, you, do you think she would be like you would call an audible and? Um, wow, I got nothing. A family heads to an isolated sports with a Z. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah. Um, uh, okay. To get back on track. Um, so we're going to do non-spoiler review and a spoiler review uh, before we get into it and everything tiny. Um, What's your history with the movie? Um, because this is a movie that, I mean, we're both in our thirties and this movie came out before we were born. And I feel like at least for my taste that it carried a lot of weight a- along with it. Like this was a movie that it's like required viewing for people like us who grew up and wanted to like fell in love with watching movies and stuff. So what's your history with the movie? Um, I know that your parents were pretty, your parents regulated what you watched in terms of the MPAA ratings. Yeah. So did you have any like issues? Were you a latecomer to this? Um, yeah, I was, I didn't see it till I was a teenager. Um, but I feel like I had already seen it, you okay. know, cause it's so iconic. Um, the whole, you know, breaking down the bathroom door and the mm-hmm. here's Johnny thing and, uh, the, the twins and the lady in the tub and all that mm-hmm. stuff is just very, iconic and i had seen you know somehow i don't know it was before youtube obviously but mm. i had seen at least images of those scenes and knew that this was a scary ass movie okay and that it was you know jack nicholson being crazy and stuff like mm. that um and so i felt like i had a a visual representation of what this movie was mm. before i ever read the book or saw the movie I think when I, in 1996, maybe, when Twister came out. Oh, yeah. I think um, that was 96. 96, I want to say. Yeah. Um, um, it may be 94 or 95. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a famous scene in Twister where they're at the drive-in. Yes. And they're seeing, 
the shinings on the screen. I was like, what's that? Because <laughs> it looked crazy to me. And I was like, oh, and my parents were like, oh, it's a Stephen King thing. And I knew who Stephen King was because my parents are big fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I it was, was like, 96, hmm. by the way, Twister. 96, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was nine years old then. Huh. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, I that's when I first became curious about The Shining. And I think that's when I saw stuff about it i don't i don't really know um but i read the book um which i've mentioned before mm-hmm. when was that i was one of your summer trips to the library no that was actually um part of a reading project when i was in seventh grade oh yeah yeah you so. have talked about that but yeah mm-hmm. reiterate it for new listeners yeah it was i don't even and remember you forgot yeah <laughs> i don't remember if it was like a book report thing hmm. it was seventh grade english and I just, I don't know, like, we could read literally anything we wanted. And I was Jeez. like, I had spent that summer mm-hmm. becoming a Stephen King fan, and I was like, well, you know, The Shining is probably his most famous book. Right. Um, at least so 12-year-old me thought. Sure. Um, and so I read it for school. And uh, I, like I said, it was one of the rare occasions where it was required reading for school, and I finished it before it was due because I was so nice. into the book and the whole Danny's trip to room 217. Mm-hmm. I stayed up late to read that part and couldn't go to sleep because I was so scared. <laughs> and it, That's I have awesome. a vivid memory of being scared shitless re- from reading that. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's when I read the book and and became a fan of the book and but I didn't I, I didn't just, see the movie till I became like a Stanley Cooper fan when I was like a teenager. Um, I just by the way I just imagined that book report being like. Um, <laughs> Being like, Mrs. Merriweather, how did, <laughs> what did, what is a costume party? What do they mean by this? Yeah, um, that was so over my head. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even try. Like, yeah. why was this man dressed like a dog and parking for? <laughs> yeah, a naked man. But I remember being like, I don't know if I've told this part on the podcast before, but I remember kind of being mad at our teacher because, mm-hmm. like, I think we had to like do like a monthly report. I don't remember what it was, but like every time we had to like write a paragraph about it or something and submit it i would tell her like you should read this book because it's really good and Mm -hmm. i'm really liking it and she was like every time she's like oh no it's too scary for me i'm a big wuss i don't like horror stuff and every time i was like but it's a really good book like you should really (laughs) read it and i remember like by the end like being mad because i didn't convince her to read the book and i was like quit being a pussy and just read the book it's really fucking good (laughs) oh god get over it (laughs) seventh seventh grade was mrs merriweather right mrs merriweather okay yeah. yeah Um, this is an embarrassing story, but I'll go ahead and tell it. Um, we did the journal things like every, like every day. In class. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, like <laughs> I, I, uh, as like young 13, 12, 13 year old Matt, uh, mm-hmm. did like in his free time. Um, I, <laughs> I wanted to write my own like novel. Okay. And so <laughs> I had this idea for like a comedy that eventually, how I Met Your Mother kind of didn't rip off, but they did the same premise. Basically, it's about a guy who wants to get fired for some... Like, I didn't... Like, 13-year-old me did not know what, like, severance pay was or anything. Like, yeah. didn't know anything. It's just like, oh, this guy wants to get fired because he doesn't want to have a job anymore. <laughs> so, um, I mentioned that in one of the journal entry things. And she was like, I would love to read it. I'm like, this has curse words in it. <laughs> and, like, seventh grade Matt is talking about boobs and stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. And the, the ending to that story is that I... <laughs> I stayed up really late like that night and I was editing it to like censor it and everything. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and 
I accidentally hit the insert key. Oh my god. And I didn't know how to put it back to oh. to like where like it wasn't typing over it. So I was like, I'm gonna be up all night retyping this. <laughs> Um, wow. And uh, I don't remember how long I stayed up, but yeah, it was a very long time before I realized that the insert key takes that away. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Also, uh, it was called Why Don't You Get a Job? Okay. Um, and the title was cribbed from the Offspring song of the same name. Um, wow. The first, like, yeah, I know. I, for- <laughs> I forgot about that song entirely yes. until you just said that. <laughs> And uh, my final piece of that is, like, the end of chapter one was a very, like, vividly detailed um, dance musical sequence. Oh, my God. Where the main character is dancing and, or, like, his girlfriend is dancing and singing and, like, like singing the song to him. Jeez. <laughs> Basically telling him to get a job. Oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah. So. We were nuts. Yep. Yep. So, anyway, um... Mrs. Merriweather, if you're listening, I hope you read The Shining for Tiny. I hope you did, yeah. And uh, thank you for not giving me any feedback on that short story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, okay, so <laughs> enough embar- embarrassing stuff. Uh, for me, at least. <laughs> like, you're just a ver- yours is very normal. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, The Shining. Uh, yes. Great movie. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Um, <laughs> No, uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the IMDb plot summary, and then, like I said, we're going to do non-spoiler and spoiler review, so before we go into spoilers, we will uh, warn you, so yeah. A family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father into violence while his psychic son sees... Uh, horrific forebodings from both past and future uh directed by stanley kubrick uh released june 13th 1980 so tiny um this is a tall order for us i think Mm -hmm. Uh, the shining is a big one it is um how do you feel overall and we'll go into non-spoilers well it's really complicated um because stanley kubrick is one of my top five favorite filmmakers Mm -hmm. uh was my favorite for a long time Honestly, I would be fine if someone stuck in my gun to gun to my head and said, "Hey, who is it?" I would I would be fine saying Stanley Kubrick okay. is my favorite filmmaker of all I just, time. I just like that we have on on record like I'd be fine with someone sticking a gun to my yeah, head. you know, it's, yeah. it's a Tuesday for me. <laughs> um, but like, so I pretty much any of his work that I've seen, I'm just like, this is masterful. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's really good. He's incredible. Um, but. I have to, you know, I've seen this movie a handful of times now, and I've read the book twice. I have to admit that I think even, it doesn't matter how good the movie is, the book's always better, right? Yeah. That's, that goes without saying. Yep. Um, but I, I think I think there are a lot of people who would say that, oh, this movie is better than the book, or like this movie's incredible, or um, yeah. it's one of, one of the best movies ever made, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the, the movie and the book are so different Mm -hmm. and, and I think a lot of true Stephen King fans don't like the movie. Mm -hmm. Stephen King famously does not like the movie. Right. Um, but I can't not like the movie. It's, it's good. I think it's a good movie. It's, it's scary. It's intense. 
visually amazing as Stanley Kubrick was always wanted to do, mm-hmm. um, which is it's a visual medium. So there's a, that that has a lot has a lot of bearing on the quality of a film, right? Um, uh, but it's the the way I the way I describe it sounds harsher than I want it to, but I think mm-hmm. it's the best way to put it. I think the movie is pretty much a disservice to Stephen King's vision for the Torrance family. Yeah. And what occurred fictitiously at the Mm. Overlook Hotel. Like, I think the the story that Stephen King had in mind and his his vision far exceeds the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I don't just mean that in the sense that the book is better than the movie. I mean that in the sense that someone could have made... Stanley Kubrick, someone could someone could make a movie of the book that's more faithful to the book, mm-hmm. and it would be way better than Stanley Kubrick's movie. Is what I'm trying to say. Okay. If if someone okay, if yes. someone really talented, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so not Mick Garris. <laughs> the miniseries. <laughs> um, yeah, which I haven't seen, but yeah. or it's been so long. Mm-hmm. Um, say like um, P.T. Anderson or mm-hmm. somebody was like, I want to make The Shining. Mm-hmm. And they they did a faithful adaptation of the book. I think it could be way better than Stanley Kubrick's movie. Man, how interesting would that be? I would love to see I mean, I don't know if I'd love to see it. Yeah. But... But, I mean, especially P.T. Anderson, because P.T. Anderson has that very, like... He's Kubrickian. very cu- Kubrickian in himself, yeah. Yeah. Um, Dude, that would be insane. That'd be cool. Or, like, Denis Villeneuve. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Somebody like that. Yeah. That'd be... I'd be all over that. And I think... I think that movie could be way better than Stanley Kubrick's. Yeah. But I still love I still love this movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. We'll get into it in the future mm-hmm. or in the the rest of the episode, but yeah, I I don't know. Yeah. It's it's so weird to frame the context of this movie cuz it's there's just so many things to take into account. It's based on a book. Yeah. The author doesn't like the movie. The filmmaker is considered one of the greatest filmmakers of all time and mm-hmm. he was very enigmatic and eccentric yeah. and it stars Jack Nicholson is one of the biggest movie stars of all time. Uh, it's riddled with all this conspiracy. Yeah. There's just so many, there's so many variables in the equation of the shining, mm-hmm. the franchise, right? That this is a big piece of it. And it's just hard. It's just hard to frame all of it and put it in context. And, but I mean, if like, like I said, if you have to give a short one answer, short, mm-hmm. short one sentence answer, I really like this movie. I think it's a good movie, and I think people should see it. Um, but in the context of Stephen King's vision, it's the word I keep coming back to is it's it's pretty much a disservice mm-hmm. to that vision that he, the fictitious family of the Torrance family and the Overlook Hotel. What Stephen King came up with is so much better than this movie. I I agree. Yeah. And do you feel like having read The Shining, like? Uh, and then watching this movie immediately after that, has that colored your perception of the movie? Like how, like in the years that you've watched The Shining, without like immediately reading the book, like because mm-hmm. you had read the book once before, right? Do you feel like your perception of the movie beforehand uh, was you know stronger, or and, like did this impact it and impact your um, enjoyment of the movie? Strictly because you just read the read the book, it did. It okay. had a big impact on it. Um, Me too, a little bit. Yeah, I, th- this is probably my least favorite. I've seen this movie probably at least four or five times. Mm-hmm. 
this was my least favorite viewing of it. Oh, interesting. And I think it's because I just read the book, and I just mm. read the book for only the second time, yeah. and the first time in the last 20 years. Right. Um, which isn't <laughs> something I can say. Um, I, th- I think it, back when I first read it as a 12-year-old and saw the movie when I was 14 or whatever, mm-hmm. 15, um, I didn't have... I didn't have the vocabulary and the analytical skills to say, you know, which was better or like, you know, I liked the book better than the movie. And I I could maybe say that, but I couldn't say why. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, I just couldn't articulate it as well. And, uh, you know, I I think at that time, maybe the movie and the book were kind of on on par for Mm -hmm. me. They were just par with each other and they were both just so good. Like, best one of the best books ever written, one of the best movies ever made, stuff like right. that. Like that's how I thought about it back then, things. right? Yeah. Right. But now I can really kind of dig into it more, and and we can get it. We'll get into the details later. But um, yeah, re- reading. I'm kind of glad that we did this. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I'm, I'm far less enthusiastic about the movie than I used to be. Mm-hmm. But it's still like I still just think it's just great. Like I still just think I really like I want to I want to watch it again. Like yeah. as I was watching, I was like, I don't think Paige has seen this. I'd like to watch it with her mm-hmm. because it's just like I said. There's just so many so many variables, and it's such a big movie. It, it, oh my Col- yeah. culturally mm-hmm. huge movie. Um, it's like it's like Star. It's almost like Star Wars. It kind of is. Yeah. Seriously, like it's yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, it, it has that stature to it. Yeah. Um, especially considering, like, it's it's a horror movie, and, like, horror movies, by and large, like, as a genre, like, they don't have the shinings right, right. that much. Like, there's, like that genre is, is kind of discounted a lot um, by film fans and everything. So, seeing, like, The Shining being in such high regard is, is definitely has more um, status to it than... If it were just, if it were like, say, the Shawshank Redemption, because Shawshank right. Redemption is, you know, drama. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I, I definitely love this movie, first of all. Like, it is, it is one of those movies that I just, I adore for the technical achievements of it. Like, um, just the way that, Kubert communicates his vision like those long takes through like those vast like corridors and mm-hmm. um just like all of the shots of just tracking shots of da- like Danny uh riding around or um that fucking amazing shot of of Jack with the axe and everything that's just kind of it follows the axe as it as he yeah swings it mm-hmm. um just like it's it's so filled with I iconic imagery and a visual tone that I can't, that I'm, I'm very hard pressed to find another like horror movie that, that has that type of, um, flair to it, that it's, it's, it's like the, the horror aspect of it while the movie does, um, uh, does kind of, um, I always, I always mispronounce this name or this word, a shoe, Askew. 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 A shoe. Hey. Um, no. <laughs> it's a uh, very, I forgot how I was going to, I'm going to take that again. Um, <laughs> uh, cause I was, cause that, like, askew, I think of askew. They're not the same word though. 
Like askew is like an askewed perspective. Askew. I don't know. Okay. Um, Maybe I'm mispronouncing it. Uh, I don't know. Well, <laughs> it doesn't help that the uh, class I was taking before I dropped out of school was English. Um, <laughs> so, uh, okay, I'm going to take that again. <laughs> While the movie does do away with a lot of the character buildup and care and like the exposition and characterization that is what makes the novel The Shining stand out so much to me. Um, it, the kind of trade off is the, just the visual stimuli that you have while watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the, the weird, like the sensory assault, really. It's just like visually, it's, it's vastly impressive. Um, like that, that shot that it, like is so just mind blowing to me is the, the overhead shot of the hedge maze, uh, model. And as it zooms in, you see them walking in. It's just like that, that type of, Filmmaking is incredible to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so that's the trade-off is you get that, but you don't get the characterization. You don't get the haunting history of the hotel. You don't get the bubbling, uh, the, the slow boiling, uh, tension of, of Jack going mad because he's already kind of mad. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get the boiler. Right. Um, Literally, literally the slow boiling boiler. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, which that makes me very curious how they're going to do that with Dr. Sleep. But anyway, mm. um, so yeah, th- there is a trade off in I, I too, this time watching it. Like I've, um, uh, I logged it in, into Letterboxd and Letterboxd, by the way, is a social network for film lovers. Uh, we log our movies there. Sometimes I'll post like blurbs and reviews and stuff. Um, find us there. Uh, ad obsessive viewer, ad obsessive tiny. Um, but I logged it and like I said, like I have my movie watching records dating back to like 2007 and I've logged the shining like tonight was my ninth time logging that movie. Wow. Just since 2007, since 2007. Wow. And I'd watched it maybe, I would say maybe three or four times. That's a conservative estimate, uh, before 2007. Wow. So I've seen this movie a lot. I love this movie. Yeah. Um, have you seen it in the theater at all? No. Okay, I I I saw it once in the theater. I think I've told this anecdote before, but it was at a midnight screening, um, and this douchebag uh, that sat in the row in front of me was uh, like, as we're building up toward the uh, here's Johnny scene, this jackass in the row in front of me kept loading Snapchat to take a video of it for of that moment specifically to share with all of his Snapchat friends. God. Uh and he did that multiple times and like I I disrupted the theater experience in my own way cuz like after a couple times I got so annoyed cuz it was like right in my line of sight. Yeah. Like every time he would load it up cuz he couldn't time it like he didn't time it well. He thought that he thought that it was coming like at two or, th- or like f- four different times. <laughs> so every time he loaded up and I saw it I just leaned in not like to the point where I was like in his ear but like where I was I was probably the same maybe closer than you and I are sitting here across the couch. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and I just coughed really loud. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And like, even I got it when it, when, when it got to the here's Johnny scene. That is such a mad hurt thing to do. It is. Passive aggressive. <laughs> it is so passive aggressive. That's hilarious. Um, uh, but that was a cool experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I love this movie. I also, my introduction to it was also Twister. Um, nice. <laughs> uh, because I loved that movie as a kid. It's funny because on the marquee, I think it says like, a double feature of like the shining and like the exorcist or something okay so for the longest time i thought that that scene 
was from The Exorcist or whatever the other movie was. And I think I like eventually saw The Exorcist or I eventually like realized obviously, but like I think I was like I was like why that doesn't seem like it's from like that movie or whatever. Mm. Um yeah, so let's dive into the plot and everything like the 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 movie itself. How do you feel about the performances and everything? Um I had a a lingering a lingering opinion of Shelley Duvall's performance mm-hmm. that I think was somewhat unjustified. I, I remember it just being not very good at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she deserves more credit than that. Um, especially the moments where she's exposed to abject horror. Um, mm-hmm. and she has these, the most notable, most notably the famous scene where the blood falls out of the elevator Yes, and just her face is, mm-hmm. imp- she has an impressive, impressively emotive face in that scene mm-hmm. and she, like that's what abject horror looks like if you want to know what that looks like that's a yeah. perfect you know her face in that scene and so like I, I give her a lot of credit for that um, and I, I would imagine sharing the screen with Jack Nicholson giving that performance has to be difficult and like how do you how do you balance that how, how do you how do you act against or with Jack Nicholson in that right. in those moments? You know when she's she's backing up the stairs mm-hmm. as he's revealing how crazy he's gone to her, mm-hmm. or when he's chopping down the bathroom door with an axe. You know how do you how do you uh, how do you balance that? How do yeah. you act against that? I don't know. I'm not. An, I've, I've never acted before, but um, I th- I think she did a lot better than I used to give her credit for. Okay, and so yeah. I appreciate her performance more. And. uh in, in this watch through than than I did before, I am the same. Way. Like I, I, I liked her performance. Like, and I I've gained an appreciation for her performance over the years and everything. However, it I think my issue, and this is going back to what we were talking about before, is the character in the script is yes. a disservice to Wendy Torrance in, in the book. Very much so. Yeah, like she, and that's another kind of fault of the movie itself is that it just seems like she's just helpless, and yeah. like that's her sole purpose is to be reactionary to Jack's insanity. Yes, and that's I don't know. It's and not. I, I'm not saying that as like, oh, it's 2019, get woke and everything. Like that's problematic. <laughs> it's it's problematic because it's a, it's a movie with three people in an empty hotel, right? And one is simply reacting to the craziness of one person. Like it it kind of feels like it falters a little bit, right? In the storytelling, like in the book when Danny goes into 217, like there's this whole like thing where they distrust each other. Shelley or Shelley, um, uh, Wendy thinks that Jack attacked him and like there's a little bit of that in the movie but it's it's kind of just it's not as front and center as it is in the novel not that i mean with any adaptation it's hard to do that it's not as impactful it's exactly exactly it's more just the action of what happened rather than the implication of what happened uh when when you consider the characters um and everything. So, anyway, um, yeah, but I I did appreciate her performance uh, a bit more this this go around, just in terms of just like you said, the reaction shots of like just the terror on her face. Um, yeah, how great was that bloody elevator scene? <laughs> yeah, so good. That is really good. Which is nowhere in the books. Yeah, in right. the book. It, um, yeah, it's not. No, it isn't. Is it? No. no. Um. 
Does it just... really make you want some fruit punch? <laughs> like, I just get so thirsty when I see it. <laughs> um, but back to the performances, um, yes. I did notice... I can't remember the last time I saw this movie. It's been it's been a while, but um, Danny Lloyd, the mm-hmm. kid. Um, again, I give him some credit for the whole you know being scared, mm-hmm. uh, emoting horror uh, is difficult to do, and he did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. But anytime he has to deliver lines, he's just not good. Yeah, not not very. I mean, he's not the worst kid actor I've ever seen, right? But he's not very good. Yeah. Um. Well, we've got him here here today. <laughs> um, but I do think that I, I agree with you three quarters of the way. Okay. Um, when he does his iconic like red rum, red rum, yeah, like that's creepy in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but I think that's more creepy just because of what it like. There's not much uh, process to that acting, mm, right? Um, but I agree. It's I mean, it's hard to get you know. Um, a good performance out of a kid. Yeah, I'm not understand. saying he's an asshole or anything. I'm just yeah. yeah, it's yeah. What the hell did I do when I was a kid, right? Um, well, you read The Shining. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> true. Um, but he's no Haley Joel Osment. You know, oh, that's you know true. What I'm saying like yeah. Um, so that stuck out out to me a little bit more. Mm. But then the you know the big the big elephant in the room is Jack Nicholson's performance, yes. which is iconic and um. I, it's it's hard to criticize it at all, mm-hmm. but I I feel like there's there are a few moments where he he goes a little far maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, the famous scene, one of my favorite favorite scenes in the movie, where he's he's essentially blown his lid and he's going off in that that great room, and Wendy has the bat. And yes. she's slowly backing up the stairs. I love that scene and everything. It's oh, yeah. phenomenal. Jack Nicholson is mm-hmm. almost perfect. Um, but just I, th- I feel like he he kind of crosses the line with his cra- crazy antics a little bit in that scene, especially when he's like he's like he's like he's like yeah, like like it's, it's kinda he's kind of waving his finger. He's doing spirit fingers and jazz hands, and he's. <laughs> waddling his tongue or something. I don't know what he's doing. Like, that just went a little bit too far for me. Um, but, I mean, Wendy, darling, light of my life. Of my life. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. So great. Fucking great. And, yeah. I like, I just love it. And every time every time I watch the movie and it gets to that scene, I'm just like, all right. Like, I get on the edge of my seat. It's great. And, and, and I don't know. And when he's talking to Lloyd at the bar. Yes. He's just intoxicated mm-hmm. without any chemicals. Like that's yeah, it's it's just phenomenal performance. That and just that air of socialness that he brings to it. Like he's very social and he's very animated in like a in a creepy way, but also an entertaining way. Mm-hmm. Um, like just hair of the dog that bit me, Lloyd. Yeah, um, right. I like to know who's <laughs> buying my drinks. Yeah, um, he's just very animated, and it's just it's really it's really awesome. Yeah, um, best bartender from somewhere to Portland, Maine, or Portland, Oregon, Oregon, for that matter. Like just yeah, yeah. Um, which a lot of that dialogue is actually from the book. That's right, it is. Isn't which it? I forgot how <clears throat> close that those two scenes are. I never yeah. really. I kind of forgot about that. Same here. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, and then probably my favorite scene with him, one of my favorite scenes with him is when Wendy interrupts him in the Colorado lounge. Yes. Yeah. Um, so great. And, uh, so awkward. So awkward. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when he rips up the paper and he's like, I have to start again. If you, if you hear me typing, <laughs> I'm, and if you, even if you don't hear me typing, I'm 
working. Right. It's just it's like the intensity is so great. It's crazy. Um you might say that Jack Torrance was the boiler in the movie version. Oh. Would you say so, that? I get yeah, I don't fucking know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um But yeah, there are some issues that in light of the book kind of come up come out in the movie like it's like there's no denying this is one of the most technically brilliant movie like horror movies of all time movies of all time Mm -hmm. but there are some kind of gaps here and there some some inconsistencies like i want to say like the whole thing with grady is weirdly inconsistent because when he's talking to Ullman, he's like he says like i think he says his name's charles grady and then when he meets him in the bathroom, it's Delbert Grady, and yeah. I think he confuses some things there, which I, I I look past it because it's it's Kubrick, but also I don't want to be like that guy. Was like, well, Kubrick can do no wrong, right? Right. <laughs> um, it is an issue. Yeah. Also, just as scary and thrilling and intense as it is, as it is, like by the end of it, I was kind of like thinking like why? Like I don't understand why. Whereas mm-hmm. in the novel, like it's very clear, like why this is happening, what th- what the spirits of the Overlook want, and like how, like there's such a great deception there that is nowhere in the movie, right? Um, which is kind of a bummer when watching it in light of re- rereading the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think the other, I think we can talk about that in spoilers, but yeah. sure. But I think I think the most the most glaring omission from the film is the lack of characterization. Yeah. Like you said, like, um, and I think it's one of Stephen King's biggest gripes about the movie is that um, Jack Torrance doesn't get a fair, doesn't get a fair chance in the movie. Like he's, He really doesn't. He's, he's nuts from the get-go, yeah. and he's very selfish. Mm-hmm. And in the book, he's so... One thing that I forgot about his character from the book is that he's he's trying really hard yeah. to walk walk the straight and narrow like mm-hmm. really to stay sober to be a good husband good father mm-hmm. hold down a job he wants to do his yeah. right do write his play and his novel and stuff like yeah. that in the movie excises the alcoholism right and just makes him a drinker but not like it's it just makes him a temperamental drinker mm-hmm. rather than a full-blown alcoholic who has a has a troubled past with his alcoholism and like that's the defining thing about the shining right um that and then also just relegates like Danny's whole storyline of being like being having the shining is just the kid with superpowers. Right. Um, right. It's, just, it's kind of, and like you can sit there and say like, okay, well you only have a finite amount of time to tell the story in the movie format and everything. And like, that's fine. Like that's, that gets it a pass, I guess, but also it's Kubrick doing it. Like you would think that he would find a way to really dive into the characterizations and stuff, but it just seemed right. like he just wasn't interested in that. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, and it's a shame. And like, we already talked yeah. about, um, Wendy a little bit, you know, she, mm-hmm. I, I was blown away when I read the book this time. Cause I just, I had completely forgotten how well-rounded her character, yeah. that character was and how significant she was the story. Mm-hmm. And she was not just some damsel, damsel mother. Right. You know what I'm saying? She was an intelligent, and very uh, focused mm-hmm. character who impacted the story a lot. Right. Whereas, in, like you said in the movie, she's just she's just reactionary. Yeah. Almost entirely. Mm-hmm. Um. And and that's really a shame. Um. And then 
going with the characterization is the relationships of those characters. Yeah. Which are, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't know if I would go so far as to say that Danny Lloyd, Jack Nicholson, and Shelley Duvall had no chemistry, mm-hmm. but the chemistry between the characters in the book, like they're, th- there's a lot of love there that yeah. pours off the pages. Right. And it's like they're a family. Yeah. They're, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to just three characters who happen to be uh, occupying the same space. Right. Um, two characters that are reacting to Jack Nicholson. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Not to um, shit on one of my favorite movies ever. But. I know. I know. But it's it, just imagine how much better it could be. Yeah. If that stuff was in there. Right. Um, but yeah, like the, just the love that, Danny has for his father mm-hmm. was really touching in the book, yeah, and and really heartbreaking to see fall apart and mm-hmm. all that. Um, and then I think I think Wendy and Jack truly loved each other, and I think Jack, you know his his flaws. He, I think he has a lot of self deprecation, or like he kind of hates himself to an extent for how much his flaws affect their marriage yeah and how you know they, they they love each other and they can have a great relationship when everything's going good but if things get tough he just starts to fall apart and it mm-hmm. just wrecks their relationship and and that stuff just it's just not in the movie yeah and it's it's yeah. just not there at all and 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 that stuff was so satisfying in the book mm-hmm. um especially towards i don't want to ruin the book or anything but there's right. um jack goes crazy in the book mm-hmm. and there's a moment where he's he's he blew he's blown his lid in the book yeah. and he's full crazy and he's trying to murder his son right <laughs> and he has this moment where he comes back yeah and he has this conversation with his son and like i got choked up while i was oh, reading the totally. book incredible moment oh, yeah and like it's like i said it's a huge disservice that mm-hmm. that's not in the film yeah and it's yeah. so interesting because um that comes into play or that that is referenced in dr sleep (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i mean with dr sleep the movie being a a sequel to the to the movie the shining like i wonder if they're gonna do anything like retcon it a little bit i kind of hope they do me too it's it's gonna be very interesting i hope they respect the visuals which Mm -hmm. based on the trailer i think they might be um but i hope they respect the visuals but retcon the story a little bit yeah do do more of a blend yeah of kubrick's vision and king's vision you Mm -hmm. know that would be but mostly stay true to Doctor Sleep, the book, which I just finished and loved. So right, right. Um, so yeah. Um, going back to Jack Nicholson and the characterization of Jack Torrance and everything, like to kind of point out again, like kind of reiterate the whole fact that he's like he's crazy from the outset. Like he's he puts on like um, a normal veneer for the interview in the first scene that mm-hmm. he's in, but like, I mean, just get like like. Him calling Wendy from from the hotel, saying like, "Yeah, well, I gotta get, uh, we, I got the job." It's like there's no like excitement over it. It's just like Wendy's like, "It sounds like you got the job," and he's like, "Yep." And it's just very cold, right? It's weird, and like the drive up to the Overlook, it's like like Wendy's talking about the Donner Party, and then uh, Danny's talking about how he's hungry and stuff, and like 
it's just like you feel like like every time I see that scene, uh, Jack Nicholson's performance makes me think, like, is he going to fucking drive it off the cliff? Like, yeah. He looks like he's so annoyed. I know. Um, and it's, it's so so many weird touches like that in is. the movie. Yeah, yeah. but let's let's dive into spoilers so we can talk a little bit more about some of the inconsistencies that I, I felt and okay. kind of talk in more detail. So here's a clip from... Uh, probably the trailer. I might play the drama trailer, like the the re-edit one. So, um, whatever I do, here it is. I don't suppose they uh, told you anything in Denver about the tragedy we had up here during the winter of 1970. I heard a man named Charles Grady is the winter caretaker. So from what I've been told, I mean, he seemed like a completely normal individual. But at some point during the winter, he must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amok and uh, killed his family. Well, you can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay, so spoilers on for 1980s Stanley Kubrick ad- adaptation The Shining. Um, real quick, before we actually go into spoilers and stuff, um, you mentioned that The Shining is arguably Stephen King's most famous work. Um, do you still feel that way? Or do you think, has it overtaken it? Overtaken The Shining? I don't think so. Interesting. I really don't think so. I think it is very, very popular. Mm -hmm. And after the second movie comes out, Mm -hmm. um, I think more people are going to find the book. And, you know, in a couple of years, maybe we can talk. Yeah. But I, I don't see it overtaking. I don't, I don't see it, it, the film or the book becoming culturally iconic. I see. I don't. It's definitely not there yet, and I just. Mm-hmm. I think Pennywise is as iconic as The Shining. I agree. But yeah. the story and all that of it, you know, in its various mm-hmm. uh, interpretations, is not. I don't know if it'll ever reach that level. Okay, interesting. I uh, <laughs> two things. One. Uh, when the It Chapter 2 trailer came out, I wanted to be a snob. Like, I didn't find any. I didn't look too hard because I didn't want to be that much of a snob. But I was kind of, like, wondering, like, I wonder if anyone was, like, tweeting about how, like, oh, they're ruining it with a sequel. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's funny. Um, but I couldn't find anything to that effect. So, yeah. faith and humanity restored. That's funny. But on the other hand and everything, I get such, and I've talked about this before, I'm sure, but I get such a bug up my ass about... And it's weird because this is only Stephen King stuff. Like when he had, when a movie, when an adaptation of, of one of his works comes out and it reaches like a level like The Shining where it's like it's culturally like beloved, um, like I, people, like he says it in the, in the author's note in Dr. Sleep at the end, um, he talks about like how like okay the shining is like the definitive version of that story um for better or worse um and i just get such a weird tinge of um uh, i don't i don't know what word i'm trying to say but like a tinge of prote- i try i'm protective of stephen king's work mm-hmm. when people are like oh you know uh i like oh like a couple years ago they're like oh it's coming out like they remade the 90s thing it's like it's, a, it's an adaptation. Right. It's like, no, 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 it was a book first. <laughs> you know it's a book first, right? Right. Or like, or like, oh, The Shining, like... Uh, they remade Carrie a couple yeah. years ago. Yes, yes. Right. And like, and I only get that way with Stephen King books. Like, like it's like, okay, um, I mean, A Clockwork Orange, like, it's like, no one's like, oh, they he made... Uh, 
Kubrick made an adaptation of of the book of Clockwork Orange. Like a Clockwork Orange is the definitive version of a Clockwork Orange, right? From my, from my experience, right? So it's just it's it's weird. I, I get weirdly protective. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, let's dive into spoilers for The Shining. Um, we did not talk about Scatman Crothers. We didn't. Yeah. Um, how'd you feel about his performance and his death? He's he's fine. Uh, mm-hmm. I I didn't he he didn't stand out. Yeah. Um, and I think. I I much preferred um uh Campbell Scott's voice. Oh yeah. Reading him in the book. Mm-hmm. He was a much like for whatever reason Campbell Scott reading him made him a much more real character for me. Yeah. than the the memory I had of him. Okay. Um, cuz he's he's not as relevant in the movie as he is in the book. Mm-hmm. Um and so I, I'd only read the book once. It was 20 years ago. And so that, right. you know, I didn't have a great memory of the character. And so I, this is one of the things I loved about the, the second read through I did this year where I read the book. Um, I have a much better appreciation and a, frankly, a love for that character that I didn't yeah. have before. Um, and it's, it's, it's more of a, it highlights again how much, how much the movie missed out on because yeah. they had another opportunity for a really great character and they, I mean, they pretty much dropped the ball for the most part. Yeah, um, I, I agree. And, um, I'm glad, <laughs> uh, it sounds like you have an ax to grind. <laughs> yeah. Um, him, no. him dying. Yeah. I, it doesn't have much of an effect on it. Really. It, I mean, it um, seemed like it was just, it seemed like in a movie, this is, this is a little bit, uh, diminishing Kubrick a little bit and, and putting something in there that's probably not there, but it kind of felt like, okay, we've got three characters, one supporting character. No one's really dying except for the bad guy. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and kill off the cook. Right. Um, and yeah, and that's, I mean, like I said, that's probably a little reductive, but, um, that's just kind of how it feels like that, the impact of it. Like it's, it's, creepy like it's terrifying mm-hmm. um because it's c- kind of the culmination of of jack's like descent into madness or his um <laughs> his like uh descent into the lower lower levels of madness that he goes through <laughs> yeah um throughout the movie sub basement yes <laughs> um oddly enough where the boiler is where he never goes <laughs> yeah um i will say that the, the set design where where wendy's like in the boiler room and she's doing it like that is like the creepiest area of the hotel that we see yeah. in my opinion yeah um so yeah so scatman crothers did a, a good job for for my taste um yeah it just i don't like they didn't do much with the character he's kind of a deus ex machina but in term like i don't know how there's so much of him in the book that's internal like I don't know if you can really make it without. It's difficult to translate. Yeah, that. yeah, it's difficult to translate that, especially when you're you're kind of negating the backstories and and character interactions of the main of the main characters in uh, in an effort to make it more scary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but his his role in developing, helping Danny develop his skill of shining mm-hmm. or I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but you know, mm-hmm. helping him understand what he is yeah, is a huge part of the book. Yeah, um, and it, it ends up being hugely significant at the end of the book when, you know, the denouement where they kind of become friends and he, right. and then in Dr. Sleep, it comes up again. Mm-hmm. Um, that 
is so significant to me and like was one of the more touching parts of this of the book franchise Mm -hmm. of the shining and dr sleep um just how 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 kind and patient and substantive uh Mm -hmm. dick halloran is in the books yeah um it's it's just a shame that it wasn't in the movie and and, right you know it's it's more of the lack of characterization it's yeah furthering of that unfortunately i i agree and this might be i don't know maybe maybe it's not fair because i mean adaptations were like carrie was carrie the adaptation predates the shining obviously by like four years but i we've we've often talked about how like adaptations of king's work kind of focuses on the horror element rather than characterization and that's right. kind of part and parcel with with a lot of the adaptations that come about of King's work. Do you think, and maybe we don't have enough data to really like, uh, comment on this, but do you think like the shining kind of caused that a little bit? Because so much of the shining is the kind of the visual genius of, of Stanley Kubrick. Um, maybe. Yeah, it could be. I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, I think Stephen King's status as a master of horror, mm-hmm is the result of how popular the film is. Yeah. I, I really think I'll it agree is. With you there. Yeah. Um, because Shawshank Redemption is almost equally as popular or mm-hmm. as well regarded, I think. Right. Um, but it's straight. There's no horror in that movie. Right. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I think, I think the movie did have a big effect on his, his status mm-hmm. as a cultural figure, um, as a horror figure. Um, I, I think that's true. Um, yeah. That's a good point about the Shawshank Redemption, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, I kind of wonder if... Man, and this is off topic, but, um... It would be so cool if we could get, like, at least, like, one more, like, Frank Darabont, Stephen King joint. Yeah. Um, that'd be great. That would be cool. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, let's see. So, spoilers. Oh, the some of the inconsistencies and stuff. So, I mentioned Grady and everything, but, like... Like I said in the non-spoiler review, like there's no kind of purpose to Jack's descent into madness. Like right. he's like in the book, it's spoilers for the novel, but I mean he's it, there's a kind of a switcheroo thing. Like mm-hmm. they're going, they want Danny because of his shine. Right. Um. Uh. To quote the Dark Tower movie, his shine is pure. Um. <laughs> so. Um. But oh, I've seen that movie like three or four times at this point in my life. Oof. But anyway, um, anyway, um, yeah. So so that is something that I feel is a disservice to the book. Um, I forgot what point I was making. I was, I was hoping to remember it halfway through that sentence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just Michael Scotted that entire sentence. <laughs> Um, hang on. Where I kind of, that? I kind of forgot where we were too. Yeah. Um, crap. Uh, the, 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 the oh, the, okay. <laughs> I might just leave all this in. Fuck it. <laughs> but anyway, um, so the end, like, like his descent into madness, like his, it's a disservice. Oh my God. Um, hang on. I'm going to find it again. Um, his descent into madness, disservice, fucking hell. Um, I don't know. 
My God, why did I just completely forget this? Anyway, um, so yeah, the movie does a disservice to Jack as a character because like his oh the, that's what I was oh the switcheroo okay um, found it. Um, whereas like in the book, like they are going after Danny because of his shine, and in the movie, there's not like it's none of that. It's just a haunted house, haunted hotel that just once this guy because he's vulnerable, but even then. He's not established. He's just established as being like an angry drinker. It's not like established that he has a drinking problem, um, per se. Um, right. Yeah. It's just, it feels like by the end of, by the, by that last shot where one of the last shots where we see his frozen body, I'm just like, that's creepy. It's, it's so interesting and, and, and creepy and everything. But ultimately, I'm just like, what's, I don't, there's no real point except for it just being a mad, a madhouse of a hotel. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, that again. Well, I mean, this is one of the most cliche things you can say, but the Overlook Hotel was like a whole character in the book. <laughs> it, it really yeah. was, and it didn't. Again, that character was missing from the movie. Right. A, a lot, yeah. a lot of that character was missing from the movie, um, which is a shame and again, mm. it's a disservice to the story. Um, and I guess, I guess as horror, it's, it's effective enough, you know, obviously people mm-hmm. think it's a scary ass movie and it is. Yeah. Um, and that aspect of it is scary. I think when Grady is, they're having their conversation in the bathroom and mm-hmm. he's talking about correcting them and stuff yes. like that. Like that's, that's, that's pretty good theater right there. Like that's, right. that's well done. And I, I appreciate oh, yeah. that, but and it's again, it's it's more like like you said. It's like the hotel is like collecting people, yeah, for no reason. There's no there's no greater motive there, right? Which is not as satisfying as what's in the book. Absolutely, yeah. and like that's not to say that it's not well done until like you said in terms of horror, because like it this was an effective movie on me, and it's one of my favorite movies. Um, like just, I remember like (laughs) when I was a security guard at the building I work at now as a, as an employee of the company, um, one of the bathrooms on one of the floors, cause we work nights Mm -hmm. and one of the bathrooms, like I did not, I tried not to use the bathroom on like the third floor because the wallpaper was red or like it Mm. reminded me of the bathroom in that, in that movie. And I did not want to be freaked out in the middle of the night. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, like, it had, like, lasting effects on me, but it was all kind of surface-level kind of stuff, or, like, um, or I would say um, primal, um, I okay. guess. Okay, yeah. Like, it's... more, that's a more, <laughs> it's a, a nicer way to put it, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it doesn't have the depth. Yeah. The depth of the, the horror of the, of mm-hmm. the book. And, because, you know, there's the implication yeah. in the book that, Essentially, the hotel does kind of collect people mm. and their essence or their soul, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And so, I think the idea in the book is that if they collect Danny, they can use his shining for kind of, you know, let your imagination run wild with what right. they, the hotel could use that for. Yeah. Um, and that's really scary. Like, it's a much, much higher stakes in the book. Right. In the movie, it's, you know... <laughs> It's fucked up because people will get murdered, right? right? That's that's scary in in and of itself. But what would happen after that? It's in the book. Mm-hmm. That's arguably even scarier. You know, yeah. the the entity that is the hotel would gain this incredibly powerful skill mm-hmm. to communicate with and 
essentially, you know, I, I go to the place where I would think that the hotel would use it to lure people to it. Uh, absolutely. And make oh, itself yeah. even more evil and, and yeah. grow. And, Expand its reach. Right. It basically, like, it's going to sound like a joke, but it's basically expanding its Wi-Fi signal. Yeah, right, right. shining stuff. Yep. Um, yeah, absolutely. And even, like... It's not in the movie at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I, I don't know. And it's... Uh, I feel like I keep having to reiterate it like i love this movie yeah but it's just it's not the book it's not yeah it's not um and it's funny because it's it like i said it's such a good movie mm -hmm. but just imagine if these things were in it yeah how much better it could actually be right it could literally be like i think stephen king would love it and like i think it would be i don't consider it one of the best movies of all time i don't Interesting. I'm, I don't even think it's close. It's not one of my favorites. Okay. Um, what would be your letterbox rating out of five stars? Uh, yeah, I, I have it. I gave it a seven on IMDb. Oh, okay. Seven out of ten. Um, I think I gave it yeah. three, three and a half. Okay. On letterbox. Um, I. Yeah. See, I'm in, my my letterbox is interesting. <laughs> uh, when I went to log it again, I noticed I, it's a five star movie for me. Okay. And like, I was sitting there thinking about, I was like. This time around, like, is it really five stars? Yeah. And I was like, four and a half. And then, like, kind of talking about it, it's like, I may have to drop it down to just four stars, which is great. Mm -hmm. But it's also, like, it's just something was missing. Yeah. Um, it's probably a top hundred for me. Yeah. Uh, may, oh, maybe even a top 50, but it's, it's not a top <laughs> 20. Nice. Um, um, 2001. Yeah. It's top five. Mm -hmm. but yeah this this just isn't uh it's not there but yeah like if if right. if stanley kubrick had made stephen king's vision mm -hmm. truly combined their two visions it would be a top fiver and yeah. maybe in the top top three mm -hmm. and i think it would be even more revered than it is now i i agree it, it yeah. does seem like kind of uh i don't want to say missed opportunity because it's so well regarded and revered and everything yeah but it just feels like it could have been it, like you said, it could have been could have been greater. Yeah, but. the visuals that Stanley Kubrick created for the mm -hmm. film far exceeded any visuals I had in my head. Yeah, which that is a that's why I consider the movie so part of why I consider the movie so good because right. it's like his vision is far better than my imagination, mm -hmm. which it's hard to conquer someone's imagination or, right. you know, uh, improve upon someone's imagination. Like that's how visionary Stanley Kubrick was. Absolutely. And it's on full display in this movie. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Which Stephen King also admits. Um, I think right. his famous line is that the movie's like a big, beautiful Cadillac with no engine. Yes, that's right. Which is a fantastic metaphor. It, it really is. Not, not, not shockingly or not surprisingly. Yeah. It's a perfect metaphor. And it's funny cause I've, I've been, over the years, I, I know I've I've been one of those people that's like, okay, well, I think Stephen King's a little out of his not out of his element, but he's like he's a little bit like, okay, this is like it's his baby, so I'm yeah. sure that that's why. But like, right? I don't know. It's a little around, extreme. Yeah, yeah. But also, like watching it this time, it's like I I I really really get his point. Like, yeah, I, I, it's a really good metaphor, and it's it's accurate like it's getting more and more accurate to me yeah um yeah again say, i love this movie though. right i'd say it's either like a a big beautiful mustang with a four-cylinder in it or like a shelby gt500 with a 90 year old woman driving it yes uh why is it gonna would, be a woman would be i don't know <laughs> little old lady driving I don't know. sure 
I think not that it to be is stereotypical. a um like a uh, uh, a nineteen ninety like Coupe de Ville with like a little kitten that's like crawled up in in the undercarriage of it that has to be kind of coaxed out of it. Uh, I don't know. I that's the extent that I know about cars. Okay, um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> that's the extent of, of what I know about cars. Um, one make and model, and one anecdote from a friend's experience from like, two months ago. Oh my um, god! So anyway, uh, yeah, I know more about cars, guys. Uh, it's, you know, yeah, you know, carburetors and and starters and uh, spark plugs. Hey, um, hey. Anyway, um, yeah. So I. How do you? Well, I'm I'm gonna table that question. I was gonna ask you about Doctor Sleep and and uh, but we'll talk about that when we when we review the novel. Yeah. Um, where are you at in terms of your anticipation for the miniseries? Because you have not seen the miniseries at all. I I think I've seen pieces of it. Okay. Like when it was on TV when I was oh, when we yeah. were kids. Like, but I have very little. Me- I have like okay. almost no memory of it. What? If you could pick one thing from the book that wasn't in Kubrick's novel or Kubrick's movie, um, so one thing from like any page, like open up a page of the book and like like point to it, and that's something that's not in the movie. Um, just that was anyway. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I'll cut out that silence. <laughs> so <laughs> if you pick one thing from the book that you want to see in the miniseries uh, that wasn't in Kubrick's movie. I would say that moment between Danny and Jack, uh, yeah, where he's literally has the opportunity to kill him, deliver mm-hmm. him to the hotel, and he breaks for a moment and comes back mm-hmm. in a way that's that nice. was just like such a beautiful moment from the book that I completely forgot about nice. from when I read it the first time, and that's a really good answer, incredibly emotionally impactful, and it also would mean that the series stayed true to the characters because you right. could, couldn't have a scene like that without good characterization so yeah it's kind of a double whammy if you will mm-hmm. um, but yeah um, i think that, i think that'd be it yeah for me because i've seen the miniseries i don't remember enough of it um but like i know i know parts that are in uh, that are in the miniseries um what i want to what i'm most excited about revisiting in the miniseries that i think might be in the miniseries but i'm not sure is him digging through the files and like like learning about the history yeah, of the hotel right like because that that character, the hotel, needs its backstory. It does. Um, which yeah. also just we talked about it in the Castle Rock episodes and everything. But I would love to see a like a not I guess a spinoff of Castle Rock that's set at the Overlook, and each season is an is a uh, is an anthology show where each season takes place during a specific time at the Overlook. Do all the crazy shit. Ooh. Reset to a different time period or different situation. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, God, it would be so good. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hulu, get on that. Um, yeah. So, anything else we should talk about? The mm. twins scene? Yeah. Um, when it, effective, highly effective visuals. Yes. Like, um, <laughs> I just, I'm so stupid. When he turns the corner on it, like, in my head, I want to be like, and twins? Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Like the beer commercial or whatever. Yeah. From the yeah. 90s. Right. Um, 
<laughs> I think my favorite part of that scene where he turns the corner is the sound effect. Yes. Of like the gong almost is what it yeah. sounds like. Like, I don't know why. And then you, there's just this extreme the close up of his face. Yes. I was and like, cross cut with like the, like few frames yes. of, of, of the murdered bodies. That's so, it's yeah. so good. It's so well yeah. done. And let's talk about the sound design and the music in the movie too. Yeah. Like that, like just the opening, like the first four minutes of the movie is, a helicopter shot of a car driving right and like just that music just bombards you and it's like it like that is so like it's such an interesting like uh trick to pull on the audience because mm-hmm. it's like it's bringing you into that mood so quickly and abruptly it's highly effective yes. yeah like establishing the isolation yes and all that yeah and like when watching the trailer for Doctor Sleep, like I was like, okay, this this is good. I'm I'm looking forward to yeah. it. Like, this is gonna be good. And then when that music kicks in, you at hear the that end, synth, the boom, 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 boom. I was yeah. like, it it gives it gave me chills. Yes. Like, uh, as I was hiding in the bathroom at work to watch it. <laughs> um, but no, it just like like shivers. Or if in yeah. the par in the parlance of Stephen King's work, um, uh, goose flesh, uh, goose flesh. Um, <laughs> nice. Uh, was all over me or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So that that's great stuff. All all good. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think that'll about do it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that'll about do it for this episode of Tower Junkies. Uh, look forward to our continuing uh, reviews of The Shining and Doctor Sleep in the lead up to Doctor Sleep. Um. Next up, we're going to talk about the 1990s, 1997. Um. Mini TV miniseries from Mick Garris and Stephen King, uh, starring Stephen Weber as Jack Torrance. Um, fun piece of trivia that I I'm, I don't want to wait until the next time we record to talk about, but uh, just this is something that I thought was so neat. I I wanted to tweet at the two people about, uh, like that this refers to to get confirmation. I might still do that, but on IMDb uh, for the miniseries, the trivia is that they originally wanted to get Tim Daly to play the role of Jack Torrance. <laughs> But he was unavailable or something, and but he recommended Steven Weber because they were both they were both co-stars on Wings, right? Which is one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. Yes, um, it's just it's so cool because like that, <laughs> like that thing, like that instance leads us to Steven Weber being introduced into like the Stephen King averse, mm-hmm. uh, which presumably led to him narrating it and delivering one of the best audiobook narrations i've ever heard yeah eventually i want to i want to listen to that yeah because i read the physical book oh you've never read you've never listened i haven't listened to this i haven't listened to it oh yeah eventually i want to do that yeah it is oh it's so good i i just recently re-listened to it uh just for shits and giggles um it's so good yeah so good um and it's like what 50 hours uh i think it's like Oh, a thirty something. Okay, seven maybe. Okay, um, or it might be like fifty or forty. Uh, I don't know. Okay, but it's so good. Um, yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, that will do it for this. I'm stalling because I'm trying to find out find it. Uh, it's forty four hours. Forty four. Jesus. Yeah. Yep. Um. So yeah, um, yeah, that'll do it for this episode of Tower Junkies. Uh, also, we didn't talk about it beforehand, but we did a Patreon specific or Patreon exclusive, uh, recording where we talked about movies we would want to see documentaries about the making of and what movie and TV sets we would want to be 
transported back in time to be a fly on the wall and watch uh, it be created. So a lot of fun there. Um, yeah, check that out at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. That gives us money. Uh, minimum, minimum donation or, or pledge of $1 per month gets you access to an RSS feed that is just exclusive to you if you pay us money. Um, it is just a bunch of fun uh, conversations that we have across all podcasts that don't make it into the final uh, episode. So check that out, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. It, it helps us out a lot and is much appreciated. And any parting thoughts, Tiny? No, I don't think so. Okay, cool. Me neither. So uh, let's call it a day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. Like, it's just... Yeah, he's definitely one of a kind in that yeah. regard. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if... I wonder how I'll feel about Quentin Tarantino in another 20 years. Yeah. Like, I used to just be, you know greatest filmmaker ever and over the moon and i wonder yeah. i wonder if it's like a young man's thing i i honestly think that that's the case I yeah was gonna, i was gonna go a step further and be like well yes you were once a 15 year old white man right <laughs> tower junkies is edited and produced by matt hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com for a full archive of our episodes go to towerjunkiespod.com slash archive you can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod and follow us on Twitter at towerjunkiespod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for obsessiveviewer at tpublic.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at ObsessiveViewer.com, and on Twitter, at ObsessiveViewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at AnthologyPod.com and OVAnthologyPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective. Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash as good as it gets band. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights.
Kitty!